Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Born to Talk radio show podcast. I hope, however you spent Thanksgiving this last week, that it brought you gratitude and joy. And speaking of joy... It's a joy to spend each Monday with you and my guests, and today is no exception. Today I'm spending this hour with Alan F. Maxwell. Welcome to the show, Alan. Hello, Marcia. How are you? I'm just dandy. Thank you. And I want to tell the people a little bit about you. Well, just a little bit, because if I said that this was all that you were all about, I would be misspeaking. So Alan is the author of The System is Unforgiving. Play by the Rules and Win. It's his first book, and it became a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller in just a few weeks, despite being published during the midst of the pandemic. The midst of the pandemic. Boy, isn't that that an undertaking? And we'll be talking about his book and other aspects of his life. I can talk. But before we do that, I thought it would be great, Alan, if we could get to know you. So would you just take a few moments and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, Marcia, I'm just a, uh, just a common Joe, you know, born uh, in the streets of Philly and, uh, you know, from a hardworking middle class or poor family, actually. And uh, mom happened to have a farm down in Georgia where mom and dad thing didn't do well. Mom put all the kids in the cart and took us down to Georgia in the middle of uh, uh, 1970, which was very interesting times. And uh, <clears throat> we got to see some things that shaped, again, who we are, who I am. But it wasn't enough to keep me there. So I uh, did everything I could to get out of there and join the military, joined the Navy and had a great military career, did 22 years, um, became an officer about halfway through, and then got out and just stayed true to course um, working in the defense industry, and to get to the point where I actually own my own company. Um, we are about 100 employees in nine states, um, steady growing, doing great things, and uh, I decided to write a book. And so here we are. That was the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what they was, used to say in, in school, the cliff notes, right? Because that was we're, the cliff notes. Those were the cliff notes. I'm a little older than you, but I know cliff notes have been around a while. It's interesting how you talk about your upbringing, and I know you've there's a you could spend the entire hour probably speaking directly to that. I'm just curious why you chose the branch of the Navy. Was there any particular reason why the Navy over any other branch of the military? Sure, it's a funny story. I was actually in the Air Force ROTC in high school, and I went to go join the Air Force, and I missed the exam by three points. And I was so determined to get out of Georgia, as I was leaving the um, AP station, 
the uh, Marine Corps and the Army was like, hey, your scores are high enough to come to either place. And I asked them, I said, hey, do I have to sleep on the ground? And they said, yes. I went, Nick's not going to happen. And the <laughs> Navy guy, <laughs> Navy guy said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do computers and electronics. They said, well, your scores are high enough to get you into that. I went, sign me up, coach. And the rest is history. I yeah. heard two songs there. The Midnight Train <laughs> to Georgia and Sign Me Up Coach, I'm Ready to Play. Uh, there's a jukebox. No. Besides this mouth that continues to talk, I wish I could sometimes just tune the jukebox down a little bit, but uh, music is a really integral part of me, and, and I love music. And so when I hear people use um, descriptions, I hear songs in my head. So that's really no, interesting that that you that you did that and that and did you like were you already interested in computers and that kind of technology while you were in high school? Uh, so actually I was um because I didn't understand it but it was really um something that piqued my interest and so I my first computer was a Commodore 64. Um <laughs> they had the Vic 20 and they had the TRS 80s and they had all those things back then and and uh that caught my attention and I learned how to program at an early stage in life and started rebuilding computers. And so it just became a natural uh, thing for me to go down that electronics path. Interesting because what I, what I heard what you said was you are truly a self-taught man, that nothing was really handed to you, but you had the instincts at a very young age. And, you know, I, I, we're going to hear about your life story, at least, you know, what we can encapsulate in, in an hour. But just off the top of what you're saying, um, it, it's really interesting to me, um, especially being married to an engineer. I understand something about that that world and, and that logical side of thinking. So you've written this book, and I, I want our, our listeners to know that Alan can be spent, spelled in many different ways, just like Marsha, frankly. Some people spell it S-H-A like I do. Some people spell it C-I-A like I think Marsha Brady. But your Alan is A-L-L-E-N, and Maxwell is M-A-X-W-E-L-L. And you do have a great website. We have a couple of websites, but the one that I'm currently looking at, at your smiling face, is alanmaxwellauthor.com. So for people that would like, as we talk, you may want to go back, and I'll, ref- I'll remind people at the end of the show, too, how they can um, follow along. But we're going to be talking about your book because I, I want to know, we, I, we mentioned that the name of the book is called Play, uh, uh, The System is Unforgiving, Play by the Rules and Win. And what I'm curious to know, Alan, is what was the inspiration for writing your book in the beginning? Well, so, Marsh, let me let me just digress a little bit back to my name, just so I have to get a shout-out, um, because my name is spelled A-L-L-E-N, correct, but I'm spelled right out. I was named after my grandmother, who spelled her name the exact same way, which is a very rare name for a woman. So I think that's where it all began. And I think wow. I'm a... I'm a yeah, exactly. I'm a spinoff of her. So, <laughs> so that's so cool. Okay, that's, that's that's a great. I'm a story collector. That's a great story. All right. 
So yeah. thanks to your grandma, Alan. Um, so what was the inspiration behind writing your book, Alan? So, so as I journeyed through life and having all the trials and tribulations that everyone goes through, um, when I talked to people, they always thought that what I had to say was very interesting. And so some of the challenges that I've been through, um, the answer was always, you should write a book. And I'm thinking, me, write a book? Not going to happen. And another situation will happen, and the recent recent events uh, with the Small Business Administration and some things that, that happened since I've owned this company, um, it was pretty intense. And the first thing or the last thing they said was, you ought to write a book. So I thought about it, and I knew people that wrote books, and I thought that would be cool to be an author, but I couldn't find the right person. And it was funny. I had an interview with a guy that was trying to uh, sell me on some CEO leadership development, and when he saw that, that I was pretty seasoned, he said, well, can we just be friends? And he says, I have someone that you need to meet that could help you write a book. And I'm thinking, here we go again. And he introduced me to Kim O'Hare, and the rest is history. She was an incredible book coach, um, held me to task, and just really, really, I guess, uh, uh, shared the essence of what it was all about. And that inspired me even more to want to get my story out there and just to to, to do what I did. And it turned out to be a, a good move. If somebody was thinking about writing a book just based on what you just said right now, because I have had a lot of authors as guests on my show, a lot of children's authors, but also adult authors for writing adult books as well. They're all all the authors are adults, I might add, but you know the subjects change. Do you recommend having a book coach if indeed that is something that that someone out there listening might want to consider? So the system is unforgiving. I got to say that, right? Because everything that we do in life is a system. Me, you just have to know who you are, and then you have to apply the system around you. So what I mean by that, I know that I'm a motivated person, but I know I'm a person that needs direction. And if I'm going to accomplish something, I need I need timelines. I need, you know, just I need the process in front of me. The book coach provided that. The book coach said, okay, Alan, every week we're going to do X, Y, and Z and help me to task. And so that made me uh, take the time out that made me do the things that I didn't want to let her down. Uh, I was more concerned about not meeting my deadlines than writing a book. Um, but, but, but I needed that inspiration to do it. So, yes, I would strongly encourage someone to, to get a book coach to help them because that helps they help me, it helps me stay focused. Mm-hmm. I can I really can see that sometimes people will say that to me and I'll think, "Oh my god, I'm like a spider web. I'm to the left, I'm to the right, I'm upside down, I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. Can you put a coherent sense together?" Uh you have the training and the mental training to be logical and to understand systems. You're a military man, you're an engineer. Those things are inherent. And I and and so I can see where having a book coach or a mentor or somebody like that can keep you in a in a journey in a path. Um, you probably don't need to be reined in as much as somebody 
with my kind of personality. It's like, are we talking about birds or are we talking about photography? Are we talking about talking? Where are we here with this? You know, could you pick a chapter and can we stick to it? So I, I can see where in your in your experience in life, and, and we're going to hear about these rules, that by having this book coach and having her hold you somewhat, which you said, you know, accountable and providing you a system, that that probably, was there, was that a measure of comfort for you? Well, that was right in my, that was right in my uh, sweet spot. That's what I need. I mean, to show me how, show me where to go. I'll go there. And if you show me how to get there, I will get there in light speed. So I don't need you well, to push me. I just need you to show me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. I think that's great. So as I as we said, the the, the title of your book is terrific. The actual oops, something just fell off my shelf. There you go. That's what happens on live radio. Um the the title of your book is great. Did you come up with a title yourself? Um Part of the way, because I ended up writing probably about 15 or 20 or so different titles that I thought, and here's what's interesting. The book named itself, actually. And what I mean by that is I didn't title the book until after I finished writing, or I was done writing it, because all the other titles that I wanted to use just didn't fit. And then once I was done and rereading it, I went, ah, it became very clear. This is about a system that's unforgiving. And and how I managed it was I played by the rules. Wow. I I didn't agree oh, to the rules. I played by the rules. There is a difference, isn't there? There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could just. I know we're probably going to be talking about this, and 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 we do we will get to that in a moment. So I wanna I wanna stay on the roadmap here, but but trust me, we can definitely take a detour. I just want to make sure that you get all of your messages out there because, frankly, I think that where we're living today, whether you're in the streets of Philly or you're in Georgia or you're here in California or wherever you're living, Montana, where it's freezing cold right now, we all have rules, you know, and right now, frankly, um, there's a lot of confusion out there about rules and what what rule i don't understand the rules you're saying this rule and you're saying that rule and could somebody define that for me a little better so i i hope that we'll talk a little bit about that and how it's so relatable to where we are today but when you say when you say that the system is unforgiving what do you mean by that so the first thing that comes to my mind <clears throat> is that all too often we walk through life with expectations and that, or, or some cases, some sense of uh, um, uh, entitlement that we think because we went to college and because we earned a degree that we are entitled to get a job earning X amount of dollars. That's what we walk out of the gate thinking. Well, you know, life doesn't hand out, you know, promises like that. You may go to college and you may get a degree and you may never get a job, not because you're not capable, but just because there's no job openings, you know, so that's just the way it is. Um, You know, the system is unforgiving because it's not about you. It's It's about the movement of time and the things that happens around you and being in the right place in the right time or, or making the 
making the space that you want to fit in. So you can't sit back and expect that you are owed something or that that fairness and all that stuff. There's no such thing. Yeah. Yeah. We sort of create our own destinies in some way, don't we? We have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I I I know that your book is um, a bestseller, and we mentioned that. And I know that, obviously, book, and I know that there are 15 rules, and I don't expect you to cover all 15 of those rules, but I would like to hear about those rules. Um, you say there are 15 rules, but are these your rules or just rules? These are my rules. Uh, and okay. everyone has to set Right. Everyone has to set up their own set of rules to live by. But I call these rules, but they're also standards that we all have to live by. And and one of my biggest things, Marcia, is that I do not compromise my integrity for anyone or anything. So that's a very cut in stone rule that I live by. I'm not gonna lie, cheat or steal. That's a rule that I live by. I'm not going to you know, I'm going to uh, not take things personal because, like I said in my book, it's a waste of time because a lot of cases it's not about you. It's about um, what's happening, you know. So you have to take what, what's happening, make the decisions, and then move on. However it comes out, you have to deal with it. It's interesting when you say not to take things um, personal. Um, I wonder if that's... I don't know if you have the answer to this, but I wonder if that's some ways, because I was married, like I said, I was married to an engineer. I wonder if that's in some ways easier for men to do than women. What do you think? So, um, I think I think it's about 50-50. Because, you do? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because when I say don't take things personal, it sometimes feel, taste, and smell personal but it's not personal. And so the example would be, again, um, in a marriage, right, that may fall apart. And someone will say, well, it's because someone tried to change me and so she didn't like me and she just that and the other, right? But in reality, maybe because of this person's cultural upbringing that they didn't know any better, that they were doing the best that they could, but their best wasn't good enough or they best didn't measure up to somebody. So so you look at it one way, and it may not be that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, So you have to be able to be uh, astute enough to recognize what's going on around you. You really do. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that opens up the whole subject of conversing, that mm-hmm. if your communication, whether it's your business communication – or as you mentioned right now, a personal relationship. Um, without communication, unless both people have agreed to that rule, we're just not going to communicate. I'll leave you a note. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, I would think. I would think. I haven't read your book, so I am going to be honest about this. But I would yeah. think that that communication has got to be so important as far as I'm looking at your page, Alan, I'm looking at your 15 rules and I can see where 
that it's listed here. In marriage, effective communication is paramount. I would imagine you would say that would be the same whether it's in a marriage or it's in a business relationship, right? Absolutely. So to give you an idea, Marcia, when my wife and I met, a couple of rules that we established, one, that we were not going to get married to get divorced, but the most critical rule that we made was say what's on your mind, get it out, it's the other person's responsibility to receive it, however it's said. In 36-plus years, and we've been married 36 years, been together too, so we've been together 38 years. In the 38 years that we've been together, we have never had an argument, not once. Not once. Not once. And that's yeah. because that's because we've had disagreements for sure. And when we do have a disagreement, we sit and talk about it. I didn't like the fact that you did X, Y, and Z. And in some cases, it's like, well, I didn't realize I did X, Y, and Z. And you go, oh, okay. So in the future, if this is going to happen, call me, let me know, so we don't find ourselves in the spot again. Oh, okay. And we move on. As opposed to yelling and screaming and all this other business that people do. It it's like a stew. And it's it's funny, I tell people, and maybe, you know, I keep throwing, I, 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 I don't always continue to bring my husband into these conversations, but I used to say to people, can't argue with an engineer because engineers <laughs> don't argue. I mean, they just, you know, he lived by it is what it is adapt. Mm -hmm. And so if I had something that I wanted to say, I said it. And if I didn't really get precisely what I needed from him on that, whatever that subject might have been, I took the subject to a girlfriend and I said, well, what do you think about XYZ? And then I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. you heard me. And and that that works. It's not that I didn't Mm -hmm. feel heard. It's just that you know, he said what he needed to say, and and it, it wasn't mean spirited by any means. It was just the way his mm-hmm. logistical mind uh, operated. But uh, when I when I look at your rules, and I do think that this is such an interesting page, and I don't want people to just click on your website and then not feel the need to buy this book because I feel the need to buy this book. But I love one of your very first very first rules which is seek, identify, and appreciate your mentors. They have been put in your life to push you to greatness. I don't think everybody even realizes the value of having a mentor and being a mentor. What do you think about that? Oh, I think that is so critical. I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at today without one. I I, I have a mentor today. Um, do you? I talk about – oh, absolutely. Um, I, and my company is successful because uh, in challenging times, I seek his advice because he's done this before. He's built several companies. He's currently an advisor to a president to another company that's doing almost $200 million a year. Well, mm-hmm. I could learn something from somebody like that. And the good news is that he's unbiased. He has no stake in the game. He's not a family member. He's someone that I trust, that I admire, and that he's never steered me wrong. And he gives me an unbiased perspective. 
So, but for me, I have to take the information, and it's not just take what he says verbatim. I take it, and it adds to the decision-making pot, and I'm going to weigh heavily on what he has to say because it's important. And then we factor everything else out to make the best decision. Without that, I'd be making decisions off the cuff or with not good information, and you're not going to have a good result. It just doesn't right. work. Mm-hmm. And are you also a mentor to others? Oh, my goodness. I call them stepsons. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, that's funny. So my my daughter my daughters pick at me and go, Dad, for you not to have any boys biological, you have so many sons out there to call you Dad. Hmm. So, that's what, funny. Uh, yeah. And, and your cool. daughters your daughters have done very well as well, haven't they? They have. They uh, they're chip off the old block. They're driven. They're um, they they wanted to good, and I'm glad that I'm setting the example for them. I, and it's funny because we talk about that. They see me doing things, and I keep them close in business dealings, um, and they see how their mom and I deal with each other, and uh, they turn out to be two very fine young ladies. Wonderful. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these rules, uh, it's funny because – this is what I just heard in my head because there's usually a conversation. So there's like three of us going on here. Uh, I just, what can I tell you? I was the talker in the family. I was the mouthpiece. He was the rock. Mm -hmm. Um, Rules of engagement. That's a military term, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, and I heard that as you were speaking about your daughters and, and setting, that environment in place for them to also be very successful women as well. I guess what I'd like to know is when you were working with your coach, and I know that you, you, I think it was very interesting what you said about the title of the book came at the end of the book as opposed to let me come up with a title, then I'll write a book. I wonder how many, I'm going to ask writers going forward how many people have actually experienced what you've just said, which is get it written and then you can go back mm-hmm. and title it. How long, how long did it take you to write that book? About nine months. Okay. Yeah. Did you work mm-hmm. on it every day? Every day it was intense, <laughs> and every every week I had to report out to my book coach Kim. Wow, so that's way to go, Kim! Oh yeah, she's awesome. Wow. She is so awesome. Mm. Did you did you yeah. did you write it out, or did you did you really utilize the computer and just start writing? So again, the the process was okay, we're going to write a book. What are we going to write about? So let's first outline the book. Let's. It was so funny because she said she typically only do about 12 chapters in a book and normally pretty small books. And so she said, okay, let's just do an outline, lay out 12 chapters on what you want to talk about. And so when I did, and then we started doing a chapter. So I did the, the first time, I think it was two chapters a week, or something like that. But by the time I got to 12, I still had so much more to write. And she goes, <laughs> my God, you have, <laughs> you have too much to say for 12 chapters, so we need to expand this. And we did. And that's how we came up with the 26 chapters, I believe it is. 
And one of my favorite authors is James Patterson. And I love the way his chapters are short but engaging. So I wanted to kind of have that same feel and, you know, keeping the reader's attention. So I wanted to uh, lay it out succinctly so it just kind of flowed through and and it kind of took you on a journey. Um, Another book that I read was by Dan Millman. Dan Daniel Millman, I believe it is, and it was the uh, the Laws of the Spirit. And again, it was a book that just took you on a journey, and that's what I attempted to do. Because here's Alan, uh, and here's how Alan began. And and if Alan can do this, anyone can do this. But you have to stay focused, and you have to understand where you're at, and you have to be committed. And you too can do it. And you have to right. follow your rules strictly. There you go. So how did you how did you come up with these fifteen rules? Was that was that a process in itself, I would imagine? So these fifteen rules weren't just fifteen rules today. These are fifteen rules over life that, that formulated. So for instance, um the mentor, uh, I didn't appreciate my first mentor until after we were separated and then I realized how much he had poured into me and how much he had impacted my life. And when that light came on, I just teared up. I was in my bed one night and just thought about it and just started tearing up, realizing an opportunity that I could have potentially missed. Um, so the the rules came. Um, one, of the, one of the main ones is uh, um, it's not important to always win. Let others win. You know, again, through trials and tribulations, um, when you're someone like me that was successful in the military and you get selected to be an officer, you know, you're only talking like the top 1% ever get that opportunity. So it, it could easily blow your head up and make you think that you're somebody and everything you say has got to be right. Well, you got to give others an opportunity to spread their wings as well. You know, so if you're always winning, nobody else can win. So you got to let others win. Let them be wrong. It's okay. You know? You're building them up. You know, it's not about you. You know, and that's and that's what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's a that's a really great one. When what if I was to say, so I know you've got these rules. What what rules do you suggest that we play by? You mentioned, you know, um, the mentor. You mentioned it's not important to always win. Uh, what are some of the other um, maybe you would even call them essential, most essential rules that you would recommend that we play by? You know, the the biggest rule, and it's not in my 15 rules, but the biggest, well, I guess it is too, the biggest rules is knowing where you're at, understanding your surroundings. And I say that, let's, let's just walk down this path a little bit. Let's say you work at McDonald's and your goal is to become McDonald's manager, right? So the first thing you need to do is figure out what does it take to become the McDonald's manager. And the one thing you can't do is is get caught up on the McDonald's drama that happens every day. So you got to get focused on, okay, I need to learn how to be the fry daddy. I need to be the burger flipper. I need to be the ice cream guy. I need to, you know, learn how the money flows and start putting all these pieces together. So what you're essentially doing now is following a set of rules to get you to the management position. So, it, that that happens in everything you do. Uh, when I was in the military, 
here I was, the wayward sailor, doing all sorts of stupid things until someone kind of set me aside and said, hey, there's a system in place. You better learn that system, or that system is going to spit you out. So I had to figure out what is that system. Well, the system was understanding what was going on around me. Who were the go-to guys? Who were the guys that were pushed off to the side that nobody wanted to have anything to do with? So quickly made myself become one of the go-to guys. Then doors start opening, learning how to write my evaluations, learning about what the military was about and what leadership was about. So, again, learning the rules that surround you to abide by them. I could not go in and say, I'm not going to follow these rules, but pick me. It doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can see where the surroundings are really, really important. But I suppose another um, launching pad is to know what you want. And I think you mentioned that as well, that you have to have some idea of what you want, and maybe that's another place where that mentor comes in because maybe maybe you really don't even totally understand your gifts. Maybe you think mm. that, that, you know what I mean? Do you understand your own gifts? I don't know if that's one of your 15, but you know something? I know that one of the things that you and I talked about off the air was these are your these are the rules in your book, but mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anything in here that says do you know what your gift is, but that might be what I'd be asking myself. I had somebody and say I, to me, right? What do you think about that? No, I think that's 100. percent And and um, I was just going to mention, I remember uh, uh, facilitating or talking to a fifth grade class of entrepreneurs. And one of the kids asked me, I said, Mr. Maxwell, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were in the fifth grade? I told him, I said, no, I did not know what I wanted to be. I said, however, I knew what I did not want to be. And I think that was very significant because that helps you drive in the direction you want to go. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting, Alan. I had somebody most recently say to me, so why? What's your mm. why? Why? I, and I thought mm-hmm. that's that is not that is not an easy question for a lot of us to answer. Is that something that mm. you asked yourself? Uh, absolutely. And you know what? I I do know the why. The why is I want it better. I I, I grew up poor. I grew up. I'm the youngest of seven kids. Um, I always got the leftovers, you know, I always, you know, I was always the guy that like my father loved to buy turkey wings. I hate turkey wings because of that. So it's kind of one of these things where I don't want to ever eat turkey wings again. But if I want to stop eating turkey wings, I better do something to prevent me from doing turkey wings. So that means I better get a good job that I could buy hamburgers and other things. So the why is, you know, you're doing it because of you don't want something else or you want a lifestyle and it's going to take something to get there. So that's the why, you know, mm-hmm. um, my, my why was, I want to go ahead. No, no, no. I go, I, I, I wanted you to finish your thought. Your why was, you said, Oh, my why was I wanted a, a happy family. I wanted, you know, to show love and respect. I wanted to, to have children. I wanted to, to provide for them and give them everything I didn't have. And I wanted to make sure that their childhood was a memorable 
happy childhood. So I had a lot of whys that drove me to do a lot of things that I did. Did you have these kinds of sort of philosophical conversations with your girls as they were growing up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? I used to, oh, yeah. I used to tell them, uh, because I was the youngest, uh, when my family moved to Georgia, I would be around my brothers and sisters, and I'd say, you know, guys, I have a theory. And they would say, man, shut up. We don't want to hear your theory. The milk mm-hmm. hasn't dried from around your mouth yet. You don't know what you're talking about. And they would just shut me down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, today they're not shutting me down. Today they're going, oh, my goodness, look at my baby brother. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yes, I, I sat my girls down. I told them things like the roads of life. You know, I, I took them into neighborhoods that were not so nice, and I took them into neighborhoods that were very nice. And I said, you have a choice to live either way, you know, but it's going to take a little doing to live over in this neighborhood versus the neighborhood over here. And was that wrong? Mm, I don't think so, but I had to give them something to compare. You know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I think that that's important. And, you know, oftentimes children will grow up in a household where the mom does that stuff, that parenting. Mm-hmm. It's certainly in my generation. You know, mm-hmm. I don't remember my father sitting us down and giving us words of wisdom. He was just happy to have a job, and my mom was a homemaker, so I was happy to have a sweater she knit or a skirt that she made for me and my brother got to play little league with my dad and you know but I don't remember Mm -hmm. these pearls of wisdom um the same way that you're describing them and it's it's interesting I think about how how I raised how we raised our kids and I don't I don't think there was as much conversations specifically like that. I think I would do things differently today because I think I have evolved enormously in those thought patterns. Uh, Neither one of my kids became engineers, but I can tell you that my daughter definitely followed my husband's logical way of proceeding in life and has been, like your girls, has been very successful in being in an industry that is really male-dominated and um, in, in commercial construction. My son is equally accomplished, but he's more like me. He's a talker, and so he motivates college students at the University of Arizona. And so I think sometimes we we parent by design, by by behave by behaviors, but what I think you're saying, and what I think that maybe young parents can be thinking about today, is the value of actually having the discussion, and having those rules, and having those conversations, because I think that that they are essential, and whether it has anything to do with your job, or it has to do with you know, always having rainy day money on the side. You, you know, whatever that might be for you, um, I think is important. And nobody really wants to to waste their time, I don't think. Uh, maybe today we're doing that in a different style because we're living in an environment now that is completely unfamiliar to most of us. 
So I just would be curious, based on that right now and where we are living today, if you had to come up with an essential rule, I mean, this book wasn't, well, actually, this book was written during the pandemic, or at least it was, I know it was published then, but what kind of, what would you say to somebody that's listening right now saying, oh, man, there are just so many rules, and every day they change it. What, what, what the rule of the day? You know how do how do you how do you adjust your mind to those things? Number one, I think one you have to do your own research, and you have to, um, Marsha. This this current situation that we're in, it's it's probably unfair to ask me that question because I know too much about how the government operates and some of the things okay. that's taking place. And, All right. And when I see it. Well, the reason why I say it's unfair because I don't want to espouse something that that because a lot of belief systems are involved right now, and so my All belief right. system is, is that you know you have to do your homework, you have to pay attention to what's going on. I think just for an example, if if everyone just paid attention to what's transpired in the last three and a half years in our country, mm-hmm. and then to see a pandemic. I think they would realize what a coincidence to have a pandemic at this time. That's okay. just just All as right. an example. What a you know what a coincidence. And then you All say, right. oh yeah, what's the benefit from that coincidence? Well, I think we saw the benefit based on some of the things that's transpired over the last three and a half years. So then you have to say to yourself, is this something that I want to follow, or is this something I want to protect myself from? And the answer should be, this is something I want to protect myself from. Let me let me know for a fact what's really going on so I can protect my family, so I can protect what's around me, and let the charades be what they are. Okay. okay. And I'm using these words specifically uh, for a reason. Um, All right. So, so, so I think uh, we've witnessed uh, one of the most incredible systems that ever happened in the world around us and and to see just how the system can really, really persuade you, direct you, put a facade in front of you. I mean, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Um, And so you have to be aware of it, you know, and as long as you're aware of it, you'll understand what's going on around you. Well, so. and I, I, I apologize. I didn't really, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but that, I think your answer no, was no, well said. Okay. Yeah, it was so, okay. you know, it's just, I, I, I feel like you and I could talk forever. And because I find you so interesting, not only are you so interesting, you're, you're really easy to communicate with. And I, and I really respect that. But beyond being the author and we have talked about your military career a little bit. You you also are the president and CEO of a company. Do you want to just tell us just real quick about that? Because I've got another real good one right around the corner from that one. But I, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about your company, I would love to hear it. Absolutely. So, so I was a civil servant. I was a very senior civil servant at GS-15. I was... Uh, doing some great things for our country, you know, making some major big decisions. Uh, and I was looking to become a senior executive. And the more I started looking at what was going on in the big government bureaucracy, I realized that that I was too talented to be chained into the environment that I was in. So when I say chained, I couldn't, I couldn't really 
let my ideas or express my ideas or thoughts, you know, openly without causing problems. So I felt that the best thing I could do to serve our country was to start my own business to support the warfighters. And so I did. I I took a leap of faith, believed in God, care of me, and he did, and I and still does. And so I stepped out and created Omni 2 Max, which is a technology company. We provide cybersecurity, logistics, engineering, systems engineering, and program management are our core competencies. We cool. basically augment the government to help them solve big world problems. So we have some very fascinating things that we do. One one of my favorites is um, we augment the Naval uh, Criminal Investigation Services where we actually do uh, cyber forensics. So when we have the bad guys use their cell phones, computers, whatever meaning that they use to transmit or store, we can actually get in there and do a forensics analysis and then court testify on exactly what we found. That's pretty cool. I'll say, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's, you know, it's so funny. I, I know I'm digressing again, but I guess it's because you're an engineer. But when, when my husband, my husband worked for Hughes Aircraft and then Raytheon, Mm-hmm. And the um, kids would say, you know, you know, what did you do today, Daddy? You know, well, what do you do, Dad? And he would say, <clears throat> I line up ducks, and I just make sure they're all facing in the same direction. Beautiful. And then we'd be sitting there having dinner, and kids would look at me, I'd look at them, and I'd say, guess he lines up ducks, you guys. I don't know. Can we go to your office? Uh, that would be no. So where are the ducks? That's okay. Well, let's just move on. Yeah. Who's past the spaghetti? But that, that, Alan, that's what he used to say. I line up ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a pretty significant thing happen to you, and I don't know this story. So what happened that you had a near-death experience? When did this happen, and what was the circumstances of this? Oh, great. So, um on a Navy vessel, the, the ship is, is driven by what they call their officer to deck and the junior officer to deck. The junior officer to deck is the guy that give all the steering commands, basically drive the ship. And the officer to deck is the guy that has the overarching uh, situational awareness of everything around him. Um, on my wife's birthday in 1989, I was going through the Straits of Malacca in one of the busiest straits in the world, uh, unprepared. And we went into these straits, not properly set in the condition that we needed to be in. And we actually had a, a Panamanian registered tanker run into the side of us, killed Ooh. the navigator. Um, and I was the junior officer of the deck. Plus, I had the torpedo magazines on my responsibility on board the ship. And where it struck was that on the um, right side of the ship in the torpedo magazines. Well, the executive officer knew that was my space, ordered me down there to do an assessment. I went down through all the smoke and fire and all this stuff and and went in through the the walls where they were cracked open to get inside of the the space to do an assessment. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was inside the space that I realized that I was potentially standing on about 1,200 pounds of um, high explosives. And so at 
at that point, Marsha, I knew that that was the way it was meant for me to die. And, and I just didn't know what else to do, but just to wait to go see Jesus. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was all over. Uh, fortunate, uh, the explosives had erupted prior to me getting there. And so the good news was all the small stuff didn't explode. So I was able to get in and get out without being harmed. Um, but two parts to that was where I actually slept at. Um, the bunk that I slept in, it was very fortunate that me and this one other guy, he was up in the chief's quarters and I was driving the ship. Where our racks was, the way that ship hit, the metal bend it back. So had him and I been in our racks, it just happened at 5, 5.18 in the morning. So we would have been still in our racks sleep like my other friends were. Um, had we been in our racks sleep and the ship hit like it did, the metal would have trapped us in our bunks and would have never gotten out and would have drowned because our bunks were under the water line. So, so there was two uh, uh, opportunities for me to be called home to glory, and I guess it just wasn't my time. It wasn't your time. But, it, but it, it certainly changed my life. It changed, it changed how I look at things in life. Mm-hmm. You know, so it took me wow. about three or four years after the fact to be able to talk about it. But it was a very significant event in my life to change my life and my wife's life and then my family. I mean, it just it just shifted some things in terms of what's really important. And so, again, back to the rules, back to the system. I mean, and, that, and they became very clear to me. Um, on the ship, it was a perfect example of how the system broke down tremendously. Everything that could, everything that could go wrong did at one precise time, which caused a major collision at sea. So we had one guy get killed, four of my best friends were sucked out into the Straits of Malacca, and I luckily was able to retrieve him. But um, that was a uh, that was a life uh, altering event that happened. I guess there's, mm-hmm. there's a, your email has a really interesting um, quote on it by your signature, and it says, "Victories won by bullying and deceit leave a residue that is very different from victories won with integrity." That's that's pretty that's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's very powerful, which which goes back to what I was saying earlier is that I don't compromise our integrity for anyone. People remember you when you do bad things. I mean people remember you and they'll share that story forever and ever with as many people as possible. But when people know that you are a person of integrity, one they won't bring mess around you. Uh, and two, they know that they could come to you and get honesty and truth. As an example, when I was in the federal government, um, it was very clear that if you wanted to do something underhanded or shady, do not come and knock on my door because I'm not going to participate. And that was well known throughout the community. It was like, Alan's not that guy. And if you want to do something shady and underhanded, well, you better go look to somebody else, but he's not the guy. And I was okay with that. You know, it cost me some opportunities, but I was okay with that. I'd rather be able to sleep at night knowing that I exactly. did what was right than to do something this or get ill-gotten gains. I just don't. I just don't respect that. You know, and that 
allows for transparency and while obviously in your line of work you can't be, you know, there are things like lining up the ducks that we're never going to know about because you have a, a military clearance that doesn't allow you to share. Guess what I did at work today, honey? You know, so mm-hmm. I understand that. But, it, but you know, that, that old saying at the end of the day, if you don't have honesty, if you don't have integrity, frankly, you're standing on a pin. You mm. know, where's your balance? That's right. I mean, that, that's how I look at things. And frankly, while you don't want to be brutal honest, like, you know, that's really ugly. You're not going to wear that. You, that's not the kind of honesty we're talking about. We're talking about really straightforward truth. And mm-hmm. frankly, when you live that way, you live that way, I live that way, I don't honestly find that that's no pun intended. I don't really find that difficult because I don't oh, have to easy. say, okay, it is easy. I, I don't have to, oh, I need to fit into this, so here's going to be the honest mm-hmm. answer I'm going to give you. When it's not mm-hmm. even my honesty, you know, it's just that mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense to me. It's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting, you know. I, I I wonder about this. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours, but I I would like to ask you this: based on where you are today, and you've you've lived an interesting lifestyle, what advice would you give your younger self based on what you know now? <laughs> you know, what's so that funny could be about another that? chapter, right? <laughs> no, you know what's so funny about that? As my wife What's and I that? were celebrating our anniversary weekend, we asked ourselves that exact same question. What really? advice would you give the young oh yeah, what would you what advice would you give the younger you? And here's the advice that I would give the younger me. You're gonna get old and plan for it properly. That would be the advice. You know. Because I have no regrets. I have no regrets on the good, the bad, the ugly, and I wouldn't change a thing. But I think the biggest thing is that we live not knowing tomorrow. But if you could know that you're going to be around a long, long time tomorrow, then start planning for it properly. And I think you should plan. And it's funny we're just having this conversation. I just had this conversation this morning. I, I would say everybody should plan to be 80 years old. Whether you get there or not, plan to be there. So if you don't make it, you won't know it anyway. So if you do make it, you'll be prepared. <laughs> there you go. That's like a Girl Scout. Be prepared. Or a Boy Scout. Be prepared. Uh, so with with your with your female coach, and that, what, remind me what her name is again. It's, did you say it's, it's a Kim? It's Kim O'Hara. Okay. So are you and are you and Kim working on a new book? Another book? Well, not yet, but we're talking about it. We're actually talking okay. about a couple of movies from this book. Oh, no kidding. <gasps> yeah, what? I just got accepted. I just got accepted by Morgan James, publisher, to publish the book internationally and through all the airports and all the vendors and everything. And, uh, oh, the wow. Chap- the chap- right, the chapter about the Kincaid, the collision, and the chapter about the... Um, overthrowing of my department in Cuba are the two areas that movies are being considered. Dang. That's cool. So you know how when 
when 2020 started, and I've always used this as an example because we're really getting to the end of it. December starts tomorrow. You know, when I think of 2020, what I think of personally is, oh, you went to the eye doctor and you have 2020 vision. It means you can see into, you can see, right? Um, who knew that Zoom back in those days meant that it wasn't with your camera? You know, who knew that we were going to be doing the Brady Bunch on, on Zoom. You know, those things, yeah. so many things have changed. And, you know, 2021 is, is really just just around the corner. And, uh, you know, we don't really know what the future holds for us, but we won't get there without planning properly. And I think that was your overarching um, message to me as well. But I, right. I, I, I would like to ask you this in the last few minutes that we have together, because you sound so balanced to me and I love that term I love the word balanced much better than uncertainty Mm -hmm. so how do you find personally your balance between what you do professionally and this lovely relationship you've had for the last 38 years with your wife how do you find the balance in your professional personal life include her in it include my family in it so for example we're going to go on a vacation, but it's going to be a business trip. So we do a little bit of business, and we do a little bit of pleasure. So my board of directors is my wife and my daughter, the lawyer, or my board of directors. We just happen to have a board meeting in Bermuda, mm. and it works out wonderful. Well, how nice to surround yourself with two um, accomplished women. And it was like, dang, where should we have our our meeting? Bermuda, not Bermuda, not, not the Bermuda onion. No, no, no. We're talking about Bermuda, Bermuda. When, when were you? When were you recently there? Uh, our last trip. Well, so so that's where I met and married my beautiful bride. It was in Bermuda. And uh-huh. so we went back in 2014. We stayed for seven days in a resort. We loved it so much, we went back again in 16, and we stayed and we just did like an Airbnb kind of environment, which was even magnificent, and we stayed for 10 days. And so we wanted to go back last year, but it didn't work. I went to Alaska instead. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this year was going to be the year, and then all this stuff happened. So we'll probably for certain go next year. We have friends that still live there actual Bermudians nice. that we stay in touch with. And uh, that, that is my that is my all-time most favorite place in the world to go. So. Well, as a, as a man that spent a career traveling, um, you know, you, you bring up a perspective to the subject. I know for me personally, Alan, I so miss traveling. I... I was my last trip actually was to Alaska uh, on a cruise with my with family, and but okay. I I I love the international travel, um, and I I've been able to do a lot of that and not recently, but I look forward to the time when we will be able to travel internationally. Or listen, I would be really happy just to see my son in Tucson. But, you know, things are not the way they are right now for a reason. We have to stay safe, and what? we have to stay balanced. And uh, if, I, if I wonder about you, are you a journal writer? Are you a journaler? Do you, do you write in a journal? Uh, no, I don't, but I have a pretty good you memory. You do. Good for you. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. And do you get out and exercise and keep your body fit that way as well? 
Oh, I stay on the go. I, I don't I don't yeah. do any formal exercising, but I'm always moving about, doing, going. I'm never sitting still. So I'm always riding my motorcycle or in nice. my Porsche or you know, just, um, you know, I do physical things that keeps mm-hmm. me in shape. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you, you're living a life of abundance. And who would have ever known when you were that little, little boy, brother, a sibling of seven? Um, maybe you did, but um, you've certainly um, risen to the occasion of living a very um, fruitful life and, 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 and living in joy. I, I, I commend you for, for ha- having this long marriage, for producing these very accomplished daughters and for living the life that you've desired. You know, you didn't get here by accident, you know, and I, I would just recommend that people do look up, look into your book and, and be motivated and inspired because everybody doesn't, isn't going to take the same path. That's, 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 that's right. clear. Everybody is not right. going to take the same path. But that doesn't mean, listen, if you're not on some kind of journey or some kind of pathway, then you're stagnant. Then you're just, right. you know, sitting in a chair. And I mean, that's now right. I've I've learned in yoga that's I don't, I'm not judging you for that. That may be really, really what you choose to do. And I say, well, then you go for that if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you that's know right. that there's a why behind you, and why are you doing what you're doing, then I suggest that maybe somebody pick up this book. You can order it on everything gets delivered today. And um, check out your suggestions on your rules. And I just want to thank you so much, Alan, for for being so generous with your time and spending this with me because I love the stories of people's lives. That's my why. That truly <laughs> is my why. And once I knew that about why I do this, it made this even that much more poignant for me because mm-hmm. I really do try to stay on the side of life that brings inspiration and mm-hmm. and positivity. I don't really want to tackle what's not so positive because there are other people that will do that, and I respect that as well. But for me, right. at the end of my day, I want to be able to get off of a phone call with a, a superb guest like yourself and say, Oh man, that felt really good. So, thank you so much for for helping me enjoy this day and for others that are listening to do the same. It's been a treat. Thank you so much, Marsha. I really enjoy it and I agree with you. We could talk all day because I love your energy as, as well, and that's what inspires me when I talk to great people like yourself uh to help you know, open up those thoughts and to talk about them and to bring it to the forefront. I mean, that's just what it's all about. And again, I, I get so much I could tell you. So. Well, we'll do this again. I want to hear about the movie. You know, this is at the <laughs> end of this year. We're, we'll have to hear, you know, um, what, what where you're going to be next because clearly you're, you're just on the pathway to su- continued success. And I like that. With success comes more success it's a great way to close the show i know you do 
<laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you once again. I'll be doing this again next week because I'm here every week. And thank you, everybody, for following along. And until next time, be safe, be well, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>